welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. You might be sick of hearing that we're going through unprecedented times, uh, but it's true. We are going through unprecedented times as a result of this pandemic, but it's only unprecedented because everybody in the world is going through this crisis at the same time. And over the last 10 years, I've seen similar disruption in, in industries and sectors that are as diverse as financial services, aged care, local government, healthcare, lots of different industries and businesses that have also gone through a lot of change. And and one of the things that I do is I help organizations manage change and disruption. And today I want to talk about one thing specifically because the pandemic's affected us in different ways. And one of the biggest changes for office-based workers is the shift to working from home, which some people call WFH. And when COVID-19 hit, many office-based teams had to scramble to let people work from home for the first time. And you know what? We often talk about our frontline healthcare workers as heroes in this healthcare crisis, and rightly so. That's exactly how we should describe them. But we might forget the IT heroes who rushed to create the work-from-home infrastructure to help the economic crisis. So if you're a team leader or a manager, maybe an HR professional facing a work from home environment for the first time, you might be faced with the situation of figuring out how to transfer your leadership skills and experience to this kind of remote or even hybrid workplace. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about what gets in the way of creating a really strong and positive work from home culture and what you can do to make it work. So start with an interesting conversation that I had over lunch with a friend recently. She's a senior leader in a large global organization, and we were talking about the changes to workplace dynamics due to people working from home. And as one example, she compared online meetings with in-person meetings. And in particular, she was talking about how difficult it was for her to create the same sort of personal connection that she would meeting people in person when she was running an online meeting. And I pointed out to her that many leaders and managers, they think of an online meeting as just a substitute for an in-person meeting. So they're trying to make it work exactly the same way even though they're not the same thing. So instead of trying to create the same experience, I suggested that she asks herself, what am I trying to achieve by calling this meeting? And then you might find other better ways to achieve the same thing. Now, my friend who's pretty smart and savvy, she said, yes, I understand what you mean now. It's like me with celiac disease. I can't eat gluten. But when I go to an Italian restaurant, I don't order gluten-free pasta because it tastes bland. Instead of putting up with this poor substitute, I look for other options on the menu that I can enjoy. And that's exactly right. And so the pandemic has changed many of the things we took for granted and is forcing us to find new ways to do old things like meetings and greetings and dining and socializing and schooling and lots more. And when we look for alternatives, it's natural to try to replicate the old way because we're familiar with it. But that's not necessarily the best way to find a suitable alternative. See, when you create a poor substitute, it's easy to find faults with it. So coming back to working from home and running online meetings, if you say a Zoom meeting will never be as good as meeting in person, you can find plenty of reasons to justify that statement. For example, um, we don't get cues from body language. It's too easy for people to get distracted. We never seem to get the technology exactly right. There's always somebody who has trouble with the technology. We get Zoom fatigue from attending too many meetings. We don't get those informal five-minute 
chats walking back to our desk and so on. You get the point, right? You've heard those things. But instead of trying to make do with a gluten-free meeting, a much better approach is to ask what problem you're solving and then find a better solution to that problem. In other words, know your goal and find another way to achieve it. For example, if your weekly meeting brings people together for a status update, you could achieve the same result without a meeting. For example, with group email or regular chat using Slack or Teams or, or just having separate one-on-one -on -one conversations. Even better, if you had an online status dashboard, you might not even need everybody to share their status update in any other way. And of course, your meeting might have other goals as well, so you need alternative solutions to achieve them all. And sometimes a meeting might be the best way to achieve that goal, but don't assume it. Each problem might have many solutions, so actively look for alternative solutions. So that's just one example, and I've jumped ahead to online meetings, but it's a really common example uh, with our new working from home culture. So we'll come back to that, but the key message is to always think about the problem that you're solving and then find ways to solve it. And keep in mind that this working from home environment is here to stay and we all need to get better at it. So before we jump into creating this working from home culture, let's just be really clear about this, what this working from home or WFH environment really is. When COVID-19 first hit, lots of office workers had to clear out their offices and start working from home. Now, initially, it might have been everybody working from home, but that might have changed. So there may be some people now who are permanently back in the office. There may be teams who are working shifts between home and office because of physical distancing and so on. And so this new style of work is what I'd rather call a distributed team where not everybody is in the same office at the same time. So let's think of that as being working from home. And while this pandemic is still raging and ravaging the world, we need to think about people working from home. But in the future, it might actually be working from anywhere. It doesn't only have to be the, the home and the office. And in fact, the workplace of the future does go further. It's not only about where you work, but when work gets done and even who's in your team. And I've really been championing this idea for 20 years. In my first job as a software developer and a project manager for a small company in Perth, I was seconded to work for two years for a parent company in the UK. And I experienced some of this distributed team challenges and opportunities for the first time. For example, working remotely from the rest of my team who was in Australia and also across different time zones. So when I woke up in the morning, bright and cheery, came into the office, ready to get into the day, my, the rest of my team back in Australia were just getting to the end of their day. They were winding up. So the energy was quite different. Then in my 30 years as a business owner now, I've worked with team members across the world. And my team has in, included people uh, in Australia, all around Australia, but also the USA, Canada, Europe, Asia and Africa. And I've learned to trust other people's expertise, even if I can't see them. I've learned to delegate without micromanaging and I've learned to measure performance based on results. Ten years ago, I wrote a book, Out of Office, with Dr. Chris Pudney for employees who want to work from anywhere. Now, that book's out of print now because a lot of the technology has become obsolete. But the point was that you don't have to work in an office just to be part of a productive team. So this work style isn't new to me. It's not new to the world either, but it hasn't become mainstream until now. And the workplace of the future is more than just working from home. In fact, Working from home is frankly the easiest version of it because you're working with a team of people who you know personally in the same time zone and you've got this shared history. And you may think this is just something temporary and everyone's just going to go back to the office someday, but it doesn't have to be that way. And 
Anyway, you must also be productive, collaborative and innovative while you're doing this working from home uh, work style. So let me ask, where are you now with working from home? Since the start of the pandemic, I've asked many leaders, managers and HR professionals about their new experience with their teams working from home. And I've heard the full range of opinions uh, all the way from I can't wait until we get back to the office to we never want to go back to the office ever again and everything in between. When COVID-19 first hit, an office-based team scrambled to work from home for the first time. It wasn't about creating the best workplace. Near enough was good enough as long as people were able to work. So you can think of that as people being in survival mode. And in that survival mode, many people working from home fell into one of three categories. So some were resistant to the idea and found every reason why working from home wouldn't work. Now, some of those reasons were legitimate. Others were more dubious, but they were just an excuse. Uh, the next level was not necessarily resistant, but they were reluctant to make the switch. They had to be persuaded that this new environment might actually work for them. A little bit better than that were the people who accepted the need for working from home and they were compliant with the changes. So they didn't necessarily embrace them, but they go, well, you tell us what to do and we'll do it. And in survival mode, this is better than nothing. It's far from ideal, but it's better than nothing. If you had to create a working from home environment on the fly, you might have been happy with just getting your people to this point. Now, unfortunately, many teams are still in this survival culture, and that's a problem for two reasons. First, managing people who are merely compliant doesn't promote ongoing productivity and performance. You you can get people who are working and who are functional, but they're not necessarily collaborative. They're definitely not innovative. They're definitely not inspired either. And you can limp along just getting by, but it's a pretty dysfunctional environment that will eventually take its toll. And second, as I've mentioned already, the workplace of the future has changed forever. And the best people will choose employers who offer flexibility in the future, flexibility in where they work and when they work. So it's vital that you create this workplace culture now. Um, in one way, this pandemic has created an opportunity for us and it's a chance for us to take advantage of this opportunity. For your team to thrive, you want your team members to get beyond resistant, reluctant and compliant and to be a bit better than that. Here are the three better levels. At the very least, you want them engaged so they are as productive as they were in the office. And even better, they're empowered so they can collaborate, make good decisions and use their judgment without relying on you for everything the same way that they would if they could just walk over to you if you're in the office. And even better than that, the best team culture fosters inspired people who do work that matters to them and they become leaders in their own right. So those are the six levels broadly. So in survival mode, your culture might be resistant, reluctant or compliant. And then when you're thriving, it's engaged, empowered and inspired and obviously not everybody is at the same level all the time and some people may be taking a little bit more time to catch up but you know what it means when you've got just a compliant culture versus an empowered or an inspired culture and the thing is you might have built that kind of thriving culture in the office but leading a working from home team is different so you need new skills to build this new culture so i want to help you by exploring each of these six levels and let's examine what it takes to create that kind of thriving working from home culture. 
So let's start with the first two, which are resistant and reluctant. We'll, we'll treat them together because uh, we want to get beyond that as soon as possible. And the thing with this is some people don't like change at the best of times. They actively resist it. They're always the first to find a reason that change won't work. They seek reasons not to change. They white ant a change process. They always point out the smallest mistakes when change happens and they go, I told you so. And this happens even more in a crisis. Even people who otherwise would have accepted the working from home shift might find it more difficult now. And you might hear people say now we're all in the same boat, but that's not true. I think we're all in the same storm, but each in our own boat, navigating our way through that storm. And in my presentations over the last few years, talking about change and disruption, I often quote uh, Ian McLaren from the 19th century, who said, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And it's true, we need empathy more now than ever before, because you just can't judge people's situations from the outside. Even people who look similar on the surface might have very different working from home circumstances. You might think of two people in your team. One might have the benefit of a, a large house, really fast and reliable internet access, a quiet working environment, space to exercise. They might like home cooking and hanging around home. So they enjoy this working from a home environment that they've got. On the other hand, their colleague, who might be the same age, the same seniority, the same sort of salary, the same kind of role at work, might not have any of those luxuries. They, they might be in a smaller house with unreliable internet access. They don't have a quiet working environment because they're doing homeschooling or they've got pets or they've got a partner who's also working from home. They might feel cramped and isolated. And so... And those two people are in very different situations. They also experience different circumstances outside work. It's difficult to concentrate on work if you're worried about your elderly parents, a partner who's lost their job, a mortgage, school fees, family you can't visit overseas because of border restrictions, or maybe even an escalating domestic violence situation. And add to that the stress and anxiety that the pandemic itself causes, risk of infection, physical distancing, social isolation, constant media reports about new cases, border closures and increasing death toll, travel bans, unemployment stress, a recession, and this ongoing media cycle of negativity around the pandemic. Add to that, in a major crisis, another challenge is the compounding effect of multiple stresses. So people don't have time to refill their emotional fuel tank. They're constantly running on empty. In the USA, MetLife did a survey and they found that many employees are feeling more tired, more stressed, burnt out, discouraged, distracted and even depressed. And tellingly, a work from home culture makes it worse. Uh, one survey reported that half of American workers feel less connected to their company culture while they're working from home. So that's on the other side of the world, but closer to home, modeling by the Mitchell Institute, a policy think tank at Victoria University, found similar things. Employment stress levels among Australian families have more than doubled amid the global COVID-19 outbreak. And as a leader, you might be a project manager, a director, financial controller, general manager, whatever, but you might suddenly find yourself thrown into the role of a counsellor. Now, of course, you're not a trained counsellor, and I hope that you have got HR and EAP resources to provide that service for your team members, but you're still responsible for building a functional culture within your team. 
So those are the worst kind of cultures or the lowest energy where people are resistant or reluctant. The next level is where people are compliant. And it's really interesting because despite the challenges that we're facing, people really are amazingly resilient. You might already have been pleasantly surprised to discover just how well some people in your team have performed under pressure. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're at their best. It might just mean that they're getting by. Some people are just doing the minimum they can, only doing what they're told, responding as well as they can to change, and just chugging along at a basic level. In other words, they're just compliant. And a big reason for that is uncertainty about the future. When talking about change and uncertainty, I often quote this uh, research study done in 2016, where researchers ran an experiment to find the relationship between stress and uncertainty. And what they did was they designed a computer game where participants were asked to turn over rocks on the screen. And they were given an electric shock if there was a snake under a rock. So this was a computer game, but the shocks were real, and the researchers could change the game in two ways. They could either increase the danger by putting snakes under more of the rocks, or they could increase the uncertainty by moving the snakes around between each move. Now, as you might expect, participants were more stressed as the number of snakes increased, because it increased the chance that they were going to get a shock. But they were even more stressed when they didn't know if a safe rock might have a snake under it next time. They would rather face an environment with more snakes as long as they could determine where the snakes were. In other words, they were more stressed by uncertain outcomes than by predictable negative outcomes. And the same applies to our future. There are two kinds of future, the kind that you can see and the kind that you can't. You must get ready for both, but you, most people dislike uncertainty. And I find this with many of the leadership teams that I work with. When I present to leadership teams and I help them with change and disruption, I often ask workshop participants to assess how well they and their teams operate in uncertainty and ask them on a scale of one to five, how well do you operate when the future is known, even if it's difficult? How, how well do you operate when the future is uncertain? And then ask the same question about their teams. How well does your team operate when the future is known, even if it's difficult? And how well does your team operate when the future is uncertain? And there's always a gap. Most people rate themselves and their teams high with a known future, but significantly lower when they're operating in an uncertain future. And I found these results consistent across all groups in different organizations, different sectors, different industries. The US military coined the term VUCA. You might have heard it, V-U-C-A, to describe our uncertain future. They say our future is volatile. In other words, it's brittle. We think we know what's coming, but it doesn't take much to shake it up. It's also uncertain, U for uncertain. It's slippery. We feel like we're always walking on shifting, slippery, shaky ground. It's also complex. It's messy. Everything is connected, so small change in one area can dramatically affect another. And finally, the A is for ambiguous. It's fuzzy. Even the things that we can see aren't clear, so it's tricky to get a handle on them. So we're facing this VUCA future. It's volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. I once heard somebody say, you don't know what real pain is until you step on a piece of Lego on the floor when walking barefoot in the dark from your bedroom to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Look, that's true, only it's worse. What if you didn't have any light, you were walking on slippery polished floorboards and the Lego pieces kept randomly moving around the floor? And that's our world right now. So how do you thrive in this 
brittle, slippery, messy and fuzzy world, the biggest mistake most people make is to try to simplify the world. They either ignore the uncertainty or they only set short-term goals. But that only works in the short term. It leaves you vulnerable to change and it doesn't reflect reality. You can clear the Lego from the floor today, but tonight it'll be there again and tomorrow and the day after. And you can't wait until the kids outgrow Lego before making another midnight trip from your bedroom. So don't try to simplify the world around you. That's a battle you can't win. Instead, as a leader, you have to give your team clarity so you can operate in a world that isn't simple anymore. And that means accepting the brittle, slippery, messy and fuzzy world, of our VUCA world, and figuring out how to operate on it. So when we think about a work from home environment, don't try to simplify the world around you. If you do want to build a productive, collaborative, and innovative work from home culture get comfortable with uncertainty. It's not easy, but it's something to aim for. And regardless of how much the pandemic's affected you, there's no doubt that our future has become less certain. And as much as we would like to think it's a temporary problem, all the signs are that we're in this for the long haul. Okay, so we talked about the three first kinds of workplace culture, which are resistant, reluctant and compliant. So let's move on to the next three, which are more positive. And the first of these is engaged. Think about this. If you walked into the office on a working day and found it empty, what would you think? Is it Sunday? Is it a public holiday? Did I miss the memo about the company picnic? Was there a COVID-19 outbreak and everybody had to leave? That's how many people feel when they're working from home, especially leaders. They switch on their laptop in the morning, they log in and then wonder, is anybody else here? It feels odd not to be connected. And especially if you're a leader, your people might be busy, but how can you manage them if you can't connect with them? So for many in your team, they might like the environment where they're not constantly interrupted and distracted. But for many leaders, if their role is to look after their people and they're used to looking after their people by seeing them around and constantly walking around, helping them, monitoring them in a positive way, then as soon as you don't see them, suddenly it feels like you can't do your job anymore. And many leaders try to fix this in the wrong way. They have pointless Zoom meetings or Teams meetings. They make random phone calls that interrupt productive work. They force people to keep their webcam on all day so they can see that they're actually there. You may laugh, but actually that is a real thing that happens uh, in some teams. And these activities seriously damage productivity. And that's a pity because productivity usually increases in a working from home environment. It's true even during a pandemic. But it's not true for everybody. And in my research, I've looked around to see what uh, typical workers who are working from home are saying about the environment. And there are plenty of positive comments, but there are some which are not so positive either. So people are really finding it a challenge. Let me share with you a few of the things that people say. So one employee said, I just can't concentrate. I have to extend my shift every day. I have to work 10 to 11 hours to complete my work, which I used to do in eight hours at my office. Somebody else said you're meant to be available from nine in the morning till eight in the evening. And it's totally disrupting the nine to five pattern that I was used to. Somebody else was worried and she said, I'm concerned my manager doesn't see the full extent of my contributions and that's going to slow down my career trajectory. Somebody else said, I find it more intimidating to have difficult conversations, raise tough questions or flag concerns when working remotely. And one last one, which was somebody complaining about the monitoring software, which they have to install on their computers. If you are idle for a few minutes, a pop-up will come up and it'll say, you have 60 seconds to start working again. 
to many of these are problems around connection and to truly engage your people so they're at least as productive, if not more, as in the office, you do need to create opportunities for connecting in the online space. But you need to connect differently. In an office, you're all in the same physical space, so it's easy and convenient to monitor, check in, interrupt, drop by, jump into a quick meeting, go out to celebrate a win, go for a walk to have an informal feedback session. I'm not necessarily saying these are all good for productivity, but they're easy and convenient, so they happen. In a working from home team, these things are not easy and they're not convenient. In fact, they're downright difficult and inconvenient. But your job is not to make these things easier or more convenient, but to find other ways to achieve the same outcomes. And if you try to recreate the office experience in a working from home environment, your need for connection will clash with your desire for productivity. For example, you may have heard of Zoom fatigue, where people are in online meetings all the time, and it's a real phenomenon. And because it's real, your online meetings should usually be shorter than in-person meetings, especially if you normally have half-day or full-day meetings, you definitely shouldn't be doing that online. But a better approach is to examine every meeting to identify its outcomes and then find the best ways to achieve those outcomes in your working from home environment. This is what I mentioned earlier when we were talking about those gluten-free meetings. And that's a real secret to working from home productivity. Stop trying to recreate the behaviors that work in an office and leverage the benefits of the working from home experience instead. There's some research that was published in the Harvard Business Review in July 2020, so very recently, and it said that 40% of managers just aren't confident that they can manage their workers remotely. For two reasons. First of all, the managers themselves say, I can't do it. I don't know how to coordinate people when they're not in the office. I'm not sure I can manage them. I'm not sure I can influence them. And the second reason was they just didn't believe or didn't trust that their employees, their team members could do it. Uh, they didn't know they'd perform. They weren't sure they had the skills to be able to operate independently. And they also thought that they wouldn't stay motivated. So there are some challenges and there's some work to be done. But the research shows that employees, even pre-pandemic, mostly want to be trusted when, where, and how they work. And this leads to the next level of your workplace culture, which is empowered. I remember speaking at a conference in 2018 in KL in Malaysia, and I took part in a panel discussion, uh, which was about the new rules for high performance. And an audience member asked me a question about how to motivate their team members to act more independently. Now, this wasn't in a working from home environment, but he was looking for just in general, how do I get my team members to be more independent and to take responsibility? And my response to him was along these lines. Your people are smart, savvy, intelligent people who already act independently in other areas of their lives, raising children, making a home for their families, staying healthy and managing money. So tell them what's going on, give them more authority and trust them. Now, that obviously is easier said than done and taken to the extreme, you might be throwing people in at the deep end, but most leaders err too far in the other direction. So as a quick test, when a team member asks you for a decision, how often do you respond honestly and sincerely with the statement, I trust your judgment? The more you do this, the better. And if you've already built up that sort of rapport and culture with your team members, great, because it's more difficult in a working from home environment to create that. Because you can't see each other, if you don't already trust their judgment, you don't trust they're doing the right thing, and they don't find it as easy to ask for help. 
you're all operating without a safety net, so the command and control style just seems easier than empowerment and autonomy. It's not necessarily better, but it's easier. And as a result, you create tighter processes, more frequent check-ins, shorter deadlines, smaller subtasks, and more reports. Any of this sound familiar? It can work, but only in the short term, if at all. So in your effort to ensure that nothing falls through the working from home cracks, you become a bottleneck. You feel more stressed and overwhelmed because you're constantly being interrupted. Your people never learn good judgment and sound decision making, and ultimately it damages your workplace culture. And building good judgment is about accelerating the experience curve. It's giving people more experience so that that experience can help them make better decisions, which then helps build their judgment. And it broadly happens in three stages. You increase their exposure to things outside their main role. You give them a broader perspective by involving them in more senior roles. And you leverage their talent both inside and outside the organization. And you must do these things in a working from home environment, but you have to figure out how you can do them differently. For example, you can't take a new salesperson with you to visit a key client, but you can invite them to join you in an online sales call. It's a simple example of where you change the method of accelerating the experience curve to achieve the same outcome. So work actively to empower your team members delegate more authority, build their judgment, help them make better decisions. It's one of the best things that you can do in a working from home environment where it's important for people to act independently. So we're now up to the sixth and the best level of your working from home culture. We've talked about the three which are not so good, resistant, reluctant, and compliant. We've talked about two which are good, which are engaged and empowered, but now let's look at inspired. Let me start by saying, if you're struggling to build a strong working from home culture, Inspiring your team might seem a long way away, but it might be exactly what you need right now. Many organizations invest a lot of time, money, and energy into employee engagement programs in the hope that they're going to inspire people to bring greater motivation, passion, and inspiration to their work. But the research shows that those typical employee engagement programs rarely provide the benefits you expect and it's especially difficult in a working from home environment. If you don't already have this culture where your team members feel inspired, the isolation and disconnection of working from home make this even more difficult. Their work doesn't lift their spirits and they must also cope with the myriad challenges that come with working from home. See, what happens is in a crisis, people focus on what truly matters to them. The health and economic consequences of this pandemic have forced many people to really re-examine and re-evaluate their life choices. And many have shifted their priorities around things like health and family and exercise, travel, education, lifestyle, supporting local businesses, and things like that. And crucially, many people have also changed their priorities around work. Uh, one report that came out uh, in the early days of the pandemic said that 17% of Australians will consider a career change after COVID-19. Now, 17% sounds like a minority, and it is, but that's still more than 2 million people who will not just consider a job change, but a career change after COVID-19. And if you can't provide a culture that inspires people, they will look elsewhere. And you're not only competing with other employers now, you're competing with all the other priorities in their life right now. 
Now, of course, not everybody can leave an uninspiring job at the drop of a hat. Some will be forced to stay for economic reasons, but you know they won't be fully engaged and they're the first who will jump ship as soon as another opportunity arises. And that makes it even more important for you to build an engaged, motivated and inspired culture, especially in a working from home environment. And the foundation of an inspired team is meaningful work. People want to feel they're making a real difference for their customers, their clients, their team members, their community, and other key stakeholders. And this is the difference between offering a salary job and inviting people along on a shared journey. And part of your job as a leader is to bring your people along on that journey. And in a working from home environment, you must strike the right balance between productivity and purpose. Think about the best sporting teams. They're sharp, precise, and successful on the field, but they also make time to build a team culture off the field. And in the same way, and that's your job as well. For example, with online meetings, they can be tight, precise, and highly efficient because they're done online, but you can intentionally make them slightly less formal to allow time for building your team culture. And so that's part of your job. It's finding that balance between productivity and purpose. So we've talked about these six levels of your working from home culture, three which are not so good, resistant, reluctant, and compliant, and three which are much better engaged, empowered, and inspired. So how do you move your culture along that energy spectrum, especially towards engaged, empowered, and inspired? Well, the phrase winning their hearts and minds has become a bit of a leadership cliche, but it's exactly what you need when you want to build a productive, collaborative and inspired working from home culture. And hearts and minds are the two things that you need. You first engage them at an emotional level so they trust you, and then you provide the practical tools and resources to engage their minds and make them productive. So when you want to go from compliant to engaged, The hard side is to start with empathy. As the saying goes, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And then on the mind side, you give them clarity around your vision, the organization's vision, their individual goals and regular activities and milestones. When you want to go from engaged to empowered, on the hard side, you create a culture of trust so you all work together while still working independently. And on the mind side, you provide the platform, the tools, the systems, the resources they need so they can be productive and they can collaborate. And then when you want to go from empowered to inspired, on the hard side, you give them work with meaning that aligns with their values. And on the mind side, you create regular growth opportunities so they work towards mastery. Clearly, there's a lot of work in this, but it really is about winning their hearts and minds. And as I said, remember, we're in it for the long haul. You might be experiencing this working from home environment for the first time, but it's just one step on the journey to the workplace of the future. So get it right, because it'll set you up for the future workplace. Because when your mindset changes from the traditional office routine of 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, working with people who just happen to be within commuting distance of your office, new opportunities arise. For example, in August 2019, last year, Microsoft Japan offered its 2,000 plus staff members a four-day work week, and they hoped that productivity wouldn't go down too much. In fact, it had the opposite effect, and sales performance went up by 40%. Uh, On a smaller scale, in 2018, a trust management company, Perpetual Guardian in New Zealand, ran a similar experiment, and they also reported positive results like greater work satisfaction and better work-life integration. And even during the pandemic, innovative companies are already taking the lead. In July 2020 this year, global industrial giant Siemens announced that it will allow 
all their employees to work from wherever they want for two or three days a week. Now, this applies to all its 140,000 employees in 43 countries around the world. Of course, at the moment, it's generally going to mean office or home, but the rule is anywhere they want for two to three days a week. In conjunction with their manager, they have to work out what's going to work for them. But as their CEO, Roland Bush said, we trust our employees and we empower them to shape their work themselves so that they can achieve the best possible results. So when you get working from home, working, it's not only about that, it's about getting ahead of the game for building the workplace of the future. So let me give you 10 long-term benefits of getting this working from home culture right because it creates a workplace of the future. One, you attract the best people, not just those who happen to be local. Two, you can create customized learning journeys, especially online learning, and tailored to individual requirements. Three, you measure and reward performance based on results and outcomes, not based on processes and inputs. Four, you promote better work-life integration. Five, you go digital. You create a paperless office and online interactions with customers and other stakeholders. Six, you build fluid teams where you can bring the best people together for each project. Seven, you can leverage lost talent, such as parents who want to work part-time or people who left because their partner relocated, but now you can re-engage them. Eight, you can throw out standard office hours and allow flexible working hours to fit in with what people want. Nine, you can engage experts as required from anywhere around the world. And 10, of course, you save some costs on expensive office infrastructure. So where do we go from here? Building a productive and collaborative and innovative and even inspired culture is challenging at the best of times, but uh, it's even more so in the middle of a global pandemic. And most leaders and managers don't have much experience leading teams in such a disrupted, fast-changing world, let alone this working from home culture. And this is true even if you're an experienced leader, perhaps and especially if you're an experienced leader, because what used to work doesn't work anymore and you need new strategies to lead and manage effectively. Just as an airline pilot needs different leadership skills than a ship's captain, you need different skills to build a thriving working from home culture. It's not the same as just taking what used to work in the office and assuming that you can transfer it to this working from home culture. Andy Malinsky, who's a professor of organizational behavior at the Brandis International Business School, when he was writing about change, he says this, next time you're in a situation that feels completely outside your comfort zone, consider it an opportunity to learn from your missteps and to bring forth a new perspective that others may not have. So you might despair at the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environment through which you must steer your team and your organization, but know that this is the time when people are looking for real leadership. And this is the time for real leaders to stand up and lead the way. So are you ready to step up? As you can probably tell by now, I'm passionate about this idea of working from home and in the longer term, working from anywhere. And I've been talking about this work style for more than 20 years. I've experienced it myself. I've worked with leaders building it for their teams. And I know it's an integral part of what makes up the best workplace on earth. So if you need some help with your working from home team culture, let's talk. I can work with you and your team in different ways. For example, we can do some laser coaching sessions to discuss and troubleshoot challenges. I run a three-month one-to-one coaching program for you or key people in your team to get 
this right. Uh, we can do online or in-person workshops to help you implement the ideas that I've talked about. Uh, I can facilitate a group of leaders, managers or HR professionals in your organization to build the right strategy for making working from home work for you. And I also have a keynote presentation, Reimagining the Workplace, which we can do at your next conference, whether it's online or in person. So let's talk. Email me at gihan at gihanperera.com or visit my website, gihanperera.com, and let's talk. Let's make this happen. I hope you enjoyed that and found something valuable for your personal and your professional life. And if you did get some value from it, please share the love by reviewing and rating it in the place that you get your podcasts. That really does help to promote it to other people as well. And if you want to engage with me to go deeper with these ideas, let's talk. Especially now as we're all trying to navigate and lead our way through this time of great uncertainty, it's more important than ever before to be able to offer clarity and confidence so that we can really be fit for the future. I offer conference keynote presentations, both online and in-person, workshops and masterclasses, mentoring and coaching. And you can find out more at gihanperera.com. And while you're there, you can also find my blog, my newsletter, more episodes from this podcast and some public online presentations. And these are all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team and, of course, yourself as well. Stay safe and healthy and I'll see you in the future. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes, and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.